Welcome to Lung Cancer Considered, the podcast of the International Association for the Study of Lung Cancer, a global organization dedicated to research and practice advances in thoracic oncology. You can find all our podcasts on SoundCloud and ISLC.org and the newsroom. I'm your host, Dr. Narjos Flores. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Narjos Flores, Associate Director of the Cancer Care Equity Program and a medical oncologist at Dana-Farber Cancer Institute and an Assistant Professor of Medicine at Harvard Medical School. In this episode, we're going to be discussing the 2023 Latin American Lung Cancer Meeting, also known as LALCA, that just took place in Uruguay in between January 25th and the 27th. Today, I have two amazing leaders in thoracic oncology in Latin America. We have Dr. Clarissa Matias. Dr. Matias is a medical oncologist and director of NOB Oncoclinicals in Brazil. She's a member of the ASCO International Quality Steering Group and Lung Cancer Committee. Dr. Matias has served on the ISLC board and has led many efforts in thoracic oncology in Brazil and recently hosted an episode of Lung Cancer Considered in Portuguese. Welcome, Dr. Matias. Thank you, Nardos. It's a great pleasure to be here. I really enjoy talking to you, and it's great to, to talk to Carlos also. Thank you. And our second guest is Dr. Carlos Barrios, born in Uruguay and now a practicing oncologist in Brazil. Dr. Barrios is director and principal investigator on the Oncology Research Center at Hospital Sao Lucas, uh, Pontifical Catholic University of Rio Grande, where he has participated in more than 300 clinical research trials during the past 15 years. He's director of clinical research and oncologist of the Oncoclinicals Group in Porto Alegre, and he's an adjunct assistant professor of the William Harrington Latin American Program of the University of Miami School of Medicine. Welcome, Dr. Barrios. Hello, Narjas. A praise of being here, an honor, and uh, thank you for the invite. And always glad to share these discussions with Clarissa. Thank you to the two of you. And as we talk briefly, we are, we are friends, we know each other, so we're going to be referring to each other by first name. Some of you may notice a different tone in my voice. You know, we're just spicing up a little bit here, Lung Cancer Concierge, so you don't get tired of the same voice. We are delighted to have the both of you today. But before we dig into the details of the meeting that just took place this past weekend, Carlos, can you share with us the history of Latin American meetings in lung cancer and when these meetings started? Thank you for the question. I think that uh, the meetings started around uh, 2004. And since then, they, at the beginning, had uh, some uh, not very frequent events. And more recently, they have been performed uh, approximately every two years. These meetings actually have a very specific purpose, according to the ILCC uh, objectives. And they try to concentrate and at the same time stimulate the oncologists in the region interested in thoracic oncology. And I think that the, if you look at what has happened over the, over the years, this actually has been happening. We have been building up community of thoracic oncologists and thoracic surgeons 
or interested people in this area. So I think that the objective is actually has actually been achieved. Dr. Karen Kelly, the CEO of the organization, actually mentioned in this last meeting that with the uh, experience ISLC has had uh, with the organization of these uh, meetings, they are actually taking this into consideration as a model in order to develop similar strategies to uh, interested in thoracic oncology all over the world in other similar regions that lack this kind of involvement. So I think that the meetings have been part of the initiatives that have been put forward in this regard. And in that aspect, I would uh, say that uh, there are three people that have uh, actually been instrumental in the recent development of this, the, the interest in, in thoracic oncology in the region. And this is uh, Dr. Luis Rice that who should be should be mentioned, Dr. Edgardo Santos, and Dr. Christian Rofo, who are, uh, in my opinion, the three most important people trying to make people work together in these objectives of uh, making people more interested in, and improving at the end of the day uh, care of uh, lung cancer patients. And so certainly these three names need to be recognized for the work they have done. And certainly they, they were recognized during the meeting for, for that specific function. Thank you so much, Carlos, for providing that background history. And I think as we continue to expand the reach of the organization, I think it's important you know, to have other local meetings because it is quite expensive. It is quite hard to travel across the globe for a meeting. And I think also the online version has allowed that to happen. Clarissa, as we're giving this little tour in history, when did you attend your first LALCA meeting and why is this meeting so important to the region? So actually I did attend the first one in 2004 in Guaruja and I've attended all of them. And it has been great to actually get to know people because when you go to a WCLC, you really are exposed to people all over the world. But when you are in a smaller meeting, the largest one we've had was the one in, in Mexico, but all the others were pretty smaller. So we were actually able to know people, know what they're doing for research, establish collaborations. So it has been a great experience. And it has been really great to see how the program has evolved over time, how some people are really involved. And and it's really great to see how ISLC is committed to Latin America because they created the chair at the board that is specific for Latin America. That's the one that I occupied before. And now Carlos Gio, who is a great researcher here in Latin America is occupying now. And I think all together, we've all been able to to really change the way lung cancer is cared for in Latin America. Thank you so much. And, and I think, you know, it's very important that the legacy of how many people, and I think I met you, Clarissa, in one of the law committees and one of the World Conference on Lung Cancer, I think it maybe has been Toronto, um, I'm not sure. I think, you know, with the virtual meeting, some things kind of mix up. So this question is to the two of you. 
how big is the problem of lung cancer in Latin America? And what are some of the projections when it comes to the disease and outcomes? I will start with Carlos and then Clarissa, you can add after that. Well, as it's being perceived all over the world, lung cancer is certainly a, a major problem in Latin America. Okay. There is a lot of heterogeneity, as you would expect. And different countries have different realities. One particular example in that sense is that, for example, Brazil has had a very successful implementation of anti-tobacco measures. And the current uh, figures of smoking in the country are less than 15. I think that less than 10% in the last numbers, which is, is absolutely astounding, considering the, the importance of the fight against tobacco. However, in other countries, this still is a significant problem. There are countries like in Chile that have more than 30, maybe 40% of the population that's smoking. So there is a heterogeneity. And one of the importance is uh, addressing your last question as well, the importance of the meeting, is that it allows the region to talk about the problems that are regional. And uh, recognizing these problems is important because some of the solutions are uh, context-dependent. And what is done in the U.S. or Europe may not necessarily be applicable to the region, but what it is done in Brazil, Argentina, may be applicable to Peru and Chile, where the situations may be a little more alike. And this kind of meetings allows people to interact and uh, find solutions that are, as I said, context-dependent. And this is an extremely important aspect of it. But lung cancer continues to be a major problem in the region. Still the number one killer in cancer in the region in most countries. So I think that we have, uh, we should look at lung cancer still as a major challenge, uh, even though some of the countries, as I mentioned, have been able to control tobacco. And Brazil and Uruguay are examples in that, who are controlling tobacco and uh, are important in that, in that regard. And the other important, very important, I'll say almost critical issue that needs to be considered is that even though over the last 20 years we have improved significantly the way we manage the lung cancer in general, identifying different diseases that uh, 20 years ago we called the lung cancer, now we have uh, maybe 15, 20 different subtypes with different treatment approaches. I think that the most critical aspect, or one of the most critical aspects, other than controlling tobacco, is the access of the population to new therapies and to the health systems. So those are two important questions that we need to address regionally. How are we going to guarantee that patients with lung cancer actually have access to the health systems? And number two, how they can have access to the new therapies that certainly are changing the uh, way we treat uh, this disease or these diseases, to be more precise. So I think that dealing with these local and regional issues is one of the things that these meetings actually allow us to, to do. Thank you, Carla. Clarissa, I think I have asked you these questions many times about lung cancer in Brazil, but where are some of those unique needs of the, of the region? when it comes to lung cancer? So as it happens in other countries of Latin America, we don't have, actually we, we do have a 
75% of the population that don't have medical insurance. And so for this population, we don't have immunotherapy. We don't have most of the target agents. Some uh, anti-GFR are available in some states, but not in all of them. We don't have ALK inhibitors for, for patients. So it's really sad to see those patients that would have an opportunity to have an improvement in overall survival. And sometimes they're not even being tested because there is nothing to do for them if we know that they're ALK or ALK positive and we cannot use any kind of uh, immunotherapy. So I really, we, I really think we need to take this opportunity and discuss each day more about um, research. It's really sad that we cannot make even things that are highly important medications that have been approved by the government to be used in non-insured patients for um, other diseases and they were approved, but they're not available. So I don't really think we, we are going to see in any near future the wild use of those medications. For the um, short patients, we do have lots of the drugs approved. So now through a large educational process, we have, I guess, most of the patients tested in Brazil. It's rare to see even in second opinion to see a patient that have not been tested. And so I think the care of lung cancer patients in Brazil, it's, it's pretty good among um, insured patients, but it's different. It's hard to, to live in a day-to-day basis. Thank you. And I think, you know, the region is so large and we forget, you know, Latin America, culturally, behaviorally, healthcare systems, like I'm from Venezuela. There's a different monster there. But I think at least all combining, we can share ideas and collaborate. And this is the first LACA meeting in person since 2019 when we were all in Mexico. Little did we know uh, when we were in Mexico how things were going to change. How was planning this meeting after the pandemic, after Mexico 2019? Now we start with Clarissa and then Carlos. So we we actually had a virtual Thoracic School of Oncology last last year, actually in 2021. But it was really great to, to see everybody in person. It was a long planning because January is the month of vacation. And so we had um, some difficulties in terms of getting people to sponsor the meeting. But the ISLC team was wonderful. Um, Karen Kelly and Heather Weekly were very supportive, and we have a great staff at ISLC. So we really took the the job, and we had like weekly meetings and bi-weekly meetings with Grit. Um, that's what's wonderful in planning. So at, at last, we had a great meeting with great discussions and at a great venue. I was really impressed with Montevideo. It's a wonderful city, a wonderful climate. So we missed you, Nardis. We missed you a lot. Well, thank you, Clarissa. I always want to go to Uruguay, but um, there's always more opportunities there. Uh, Carlos, what was your experience planning the meeting? You know, because things have changed. 
Yeah, well, it was a big challenge. I guess the big uh, controversy we tried to to address from the beginning with the ILCLC and the organizers. First, let me recognize Dr. Luis Subidius and Dr. Mario Varangot, who were the other two co-chairs together with Clarissa and myself that were very important in this uh, organization that was challenging mainly because of the date. January is not a month where you have uh, big meetings in Uruguay, particularly when you are about an hour away from Punta del Este, which, uh, where most people actually go in that part, in this part of the, this part of the year. So, but in spite of that, we were able to conduct a very successful meeting. Okay. And there was interest. Uh, there were people from um, most countries of the region. They were very interested in discussions. And the participation of the historical leadership from ALCLC, besides Dr. Kelly and besides uh, Dr. Wakile, we had Dr. Bunn, Dr. Gandara, Dr. Carboni, Dr. Hirsch, that have been actually instrumental in this idea of taking thoracic oncology and creating all over the world and creating interest uh, in this area and their dedication to this process of improving knowledge, uh, discussing new concepts and essentially bringing information to the practicing oncology in uh, most parts of the world have been, uh, has been outstanding in my... And I do not see that in other, other tumor types across the world. So I think that that's something uh, very important to, to take into consideration. And if you allow me a, a small comment concerning the previous question to Clarissa in terms of the consequences or needs or uh, regional uh, challenges or discrepancies that we see on a day-to-day basis. During the meeting, I had a presentation addressing the need for more research in the, in the region. We have only a very few of the studies that are currently ongoing, and we need to have more studies to benefit patients. But uh, there was a presentation that a publication that was performed by a group of people from Argentina, leadership from Argentina, but uh, that involved four other countries in the region, that in, ni- in 2017, 2018, only about 2%, 3% of patients in first line in Latin America were treated with immunotherapy. So there is a significant space to improve on the results. And what Clarissa was mentioning, that insurance and access to the healthcare system is obviously important. And this is something we need to put on the table in order to, first of all, recognize these very impressive numbers and essentially try to develop strategies in order to make people have access to this kind of treatments that sometimes are life-saving or can change the natural history of the disease, at least in some cases. So... Just as research, and I use this kind of information to say that research and having protocols and clinical trials in these regards are certainly a, a major way to, besides other things, generating information, to have patients have access to this kind of treatments that they can obtain easily in clinical trial participation. So I think that this is one of the issues that is common to all the regions. 
And certainly solutions for that are things that we're looking for all the time. Thank you, Carlos. And that's a question that I'm going to ask you along the lines, because you mentioned Dr. Uvijos and Dr. Baragot. So there were four chairs in the meeting for listeners. It was Dr. Matias, Dr. Barrios, Dr. Vigios, and Dr. Baragot. How was it working with two chairs from one country and two chairs for a different country? I think it was great to have local, you know, um, people in Uruguay as well, but it is a little bit different than what we have done before. Well, the reason that that was done was actually for us to try and help, Clarissa and myself, to try to help. Obviously, I'm from Uruguay uh, originally, so that was one, one aspect of uh, the whole thing. But also the idea was that Clarissa and myself would be able to uh, stimulate people from Brazil to, to participate and go to, to Uruguay, to Montevideo. So we were able to do that partially, okay, the number of people, obviously, uh, because of the, also the, the time of the year was limited. But certainly, I think that it was a good experience to work with uh, Dr. Ubijos and Dr. Varagot. And I think that the next meeting that will be held in uh, Colombia does have the same situation. There is a co-chair that is Dr. Villa, that is from, um, or oh, what's her name, uh, Clarissa? There is a doctor that is from Ecuador that will be co-chair in the next meeting, Tania. correct? Tania. Yes, Tania. So uh, I think that this is an experience that I would actually make, uh, make a, uh, I, I vouch for this to be uh, something that will be helping the performance and the organization of the next few meetings. Thank you so much. And something that's very unique to Lanka that I personally love is the different workshops and schools, including the ISSC School of Pathology, the School of Thoracic Oncology that Clarissa mentioned. Clarissa, can you share with us the importance of these workshops, who these workshops are directed towards, and why ISLC offered these workshops prior to Lanka? Yeah, so that those have been one day before the actual meeting. And actually, I'm fortunate to, to spend the entire day at the School of Oncology. And it was wonderful to see the different experiences from Argentina and, and Mexico and Brazil. And it was great to see how tumor boards are organized in different places. So it was really truly remarkable how you can place many people in the same room and really have the support from ISLC. Um, Karen and, and Heather were there also and uh, were very much interested in, in discussing. So, and then there was a school of pathology that I just picked on in the room and it was pretty full. So this was actually started by Mary Leilag who's a Brazilian who was in, at the University of Colorado for many years and was a very important person, Marily Garcia, in, um, at ISLC. So it was wonderful to see the schools that really have floors and, and have really taken a big body over the last few years. I, I think it's a great opportunity not only to learn, but also for... When I, in Mexico, we saw trainees from different parts of Latin America getting to connect thanks to the school. And thanks to one of those schools, I met one of my mentees that she's still in my lab. 
And I think that's something that in-person meetings bring that despite all the technology, it is not the same. And the other, the other point, and are just is that uh, the complex. We need to recognize that the complexity of lung cancer is ever increasing. So it's 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 amazing how we have uh, evolved over the last, uh, particularly twenty years. We we used to treat uh, in two thousand and two. Uh, it, it was published that uh, trial that compared four uh, platinum doublets with carbotaxel and uh, three platinum doublets with carbotaxel, and the results were essentially all the same. And we treated all the patients exactly as if they were all the same about 20 years ago. And uh, the amount of information, the technology, and the way we uh, see the disease today is obviously brings a great degree of complexity that needs to be informed in different regions. And obviously, this brings issues related to access to technology, access to testing, and uh, besides the access to treatment. So I think that these schools actually are extremely helpful, not only to put people together, but actually to see what are their difficulties and present uh, the things that need to be done and try to solve the problems uh, that you see in pathology, in thoracic surgery, and in oncology in, in, in general. So I think that they are extremely useful as a way of integrating the situation in different regions. So I think that they, they were very, very successful in Montevideo. Thank you so much, Carlos. The meeting had a call for asterisks, right? And I have seen so much and insighting research coming out of the region. Um, I will start with Clarissa. Where are some of those abstracts that caught your attention that were presented at the meeting? Actually, the we were um, commenting about that, Luis and, and me and Rofo. Actually, it was one of the best meetings in terms of research. We saw some, um, at the plenary session, we saw some basic research, actually, that was done in Barretos that was really nice about signature and, and susceptibility to chemotherapy. And it um, was, was really wonderful to see very young people that had good, great production. We did have some fellows, researchers also from other parts of Argentina and, and uh, Mexico and, and also from the United States. So even though we were in the middle of uh, the pandemic, we we had one of the best blockades in terms of basic research and clinical research. So it was wonderful to see that. And we really have to encourage people to go to Bogota in two years and bring their research. We ended up receiving 110 abstracts. That is very impressive. And I think also the quality of the research has expanded. You know, it's not only about clinical trials. We're talking about uh, the group for Central, now also Oncoclinicals are doing a lot of psychosocial aspects, receiving more information. We're seeing more data also from basic science com- coming from Colombia as well. Carlos, was there an abstract or one or two asterisks that caught your attention during the meeting? Yes, I think that there the, are the, the a number of issues here relating the abstracts that uh, merit some attention and recognition. If you look at the different lautas across time, I think that the quality of the research 
and the variety of the research is something to be noted. Okay. And we had very interesting, interesting basic research strategies that were presented, two of which were presented at the plenary session together with a more quote-unquote clinical abstract that I will mention in a minute. But uh, most of the activity in terms of basic research was concentrated in sequencing, okay, and analyzing different approaches to sequencing related to, obviously, with uh, a clinical application. One of the abstracts that went into the plenary sessions coming from Brazil actually looked at the possibility of generating a gene signature to essentially predict benefit in uh, patients with early lung cancer in terms of benefits to chemotherapy. August was a preliminary work that needs to have validation in a larger subset, but there was a three-gene signature that actually is being proposed as uh, possibly predicted of the benefit in patients in early in the early situation, which obviously will be something important to pursue in future trials. The other abstract that was presented at um, at uh, this, and there were other biomarker-focused research that were presented also and that were shown in poster and presented in some of the sessions. And the other abstract that was presented was presented by Luis Rice from the U.S. Uh, that uh, essentially made a comparison on a very important question that is very clinically important for all of us at the present time. And it's the issue on the need to sequence patients in order to be able to treat them when they present with metastatic disease. And uh, what Dr. Rice and uh, colleagues actually did is that they analyzed the use of ctDNA, uh, the blood test, a blood biopsy, together with the tumor biopsy, trying to build an algorithm to essentially facilitate and speed up the process of diagnosis, directing patients to one therapy and the other, depending on the results. And what they actually propose after the conclusion of the abstract of the, their, their work is that uh, using the ctDNA from the beginning actually speeds up the time and allows to make decisions uh, faster in terms of selecting patient treatment. They do not avoid or they, they continue doing the tumor biopsy for confirmation and uh, sometimes the blood uh, blood diacid does not give you the, 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 all the answers, but certainly the, having the results of the blood biopsy earlier is something that can uh, help. So they are proposing to have that kind of strategy. And I believe that in many places in clinical practice, I'm not sure what you do there in the, at the Dana-Farber, but certainly it's a, it's a strategy that merits further validation in order to speed up the, our ability to select the best treatment for specific patients. Thank you so much. And sadly, we are running out of time, but I have one more question for the two of you before we end. It is, which was your personal highlight during 2023 LALCA meeting? Clarissa? Well, actually, something that you started was the women's um, meeting where we had a great discussion and it was really wonderful to see the room full of people, including a lot of men. Um, like the, the, Dr. Roselle, Dr. Bandara, and we discussed very practical issues. So I would like to thank you for having started this. 
and uh, we hope to continue um, at, at real auction. Isn't that crazy that we started that four years ago? And you remember we were trying to uh, come together with breakfast. We were like, oh, we need breakfast, last minute breakfast in Mexico. And now it has been four years. And it, it's just a delight that has been carried up, you know, as the years move. And, you know, we continue to have more meetings. Carlos, what was that personal highlight from the 2023 LALCA meeting? I think that was having everybody together again in person. I think that the pandemic had a fantastic and terrible, at the same time, impact in all our lives. And I believe that regaining this ability of seeing people, touching people, uh, embracing people, being able to discuss our problems together in the same room. I think that that's for me, uh, and at least it's going to be for me, the major and most important impact uh, of this period where we're going to start doing these things again in person. So seeing people and interacting with people, not virtually, I think it was for me the most important take home from this, from this uh, LALCA. And I have to say, as a Latina myself, we are social beings. As Latinos, we like to get together. Um, in Latin America, you know, getting together as part of our identity. I just came back from visiting family and getting together with other humans has a very special place in all of us, our heart. Uh, before we end the episode, is there anything else that the two of you would like to add to or list to, to share that we would like to share with our listeners? No, I just want to congratulate ISLC for really taking Latin America into great standards. And um, hopefully we'll have each year better and better forms of discussion um, to better serve our patients. And thank you, Narges and Carlos, for being here with us. Carlos, anything else you would like to add before we conclude? No, just to say thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the program. Thank you, Clarissa, for being here as well. And I think I would second what Clarissa just said. I think that the ILCC is um, kind of a, a one in a kind uh, all over the world in the ecology uh, arena. It's extremely important that uh, the objectives of ILCC of taking knowledge and organizing and improving the care of lung cancer and thoracic cancers, uh, malign thoracic malignancies all over the world continues. And certainly LALCA is one of that, that those initiatives. And hopefully it will serve, as Dr. Kelly said, as a model for other regions, which is obviously uh, something important. And I think we should continue. We need to do a lot of things in order to improve further. But certainly with the support of ISLC, I'm sure it will uh, improve further, not only the education of all the physicians involved with lung cancer, but the results of therapies and the access to therapies for patients with lung cancer all over the region. Thank you. This has been a wonderful conversation, but sadly, we ran out of time for this episode. I would like to thank our guests for their time and endless efforts for advancing thoracic oncology in Latin America. Thank you, Dr. Matias and Dr. Barrios. Thank you. Thank you.
And thanks to everyone for listening to Long Cancer Considered, the official ISLC podcast. And I hope you will tune in regularly to give us a listen. You can find the podcast in Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and we will see you next in a new episode of Long Cancer Considered. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Long Cancer Considered. You can find all our podcasts on our website, islc.org, in our newsroom, or on SoundCloud. Please take a moment to rank, like, write comments, and share your favorite episodes with your colleagues. 